We're going to be in Revelation 22 this morning, if you'd be finding that in your Bible. Revelation 22. While you're turning, an announcement really for our men that we're going to be meeting those who can next Saturday morning at 7.30 just for a time of Bible study for men and a prayer time and we'll have prayer requests and things but I just I feel like it'd be good for us as men to do that occasionally so I hope if you're able to do that you'd squeeze that in next Saturday morning and all our men are encouraged we'll meet right in here at 7.30 as we're going through the book of the Revelation um, we've now covered everything having to do up to and through the time of the Great Tribulation, which we should all know that's, that's future events, of course. It'll be the outpouring of God's wrath upon a, a God and truth and Christ-rejecting world. And it's been, um, for me, it's, it gets kind of emotional sometimes really thinking about all that's going to transpire. And we've seen the devil and the false prophet and um, the Antichrist cast into the lake of fire. We've, we've, last week we covered the great white throne judgment where lost people, those who refuse to receive Christ and his salvation, are cast into the lake of fire. And then we looked last Sunday night at um, the, really uh, the, the, the eternity, I want to say the new eternity as it's going to be, the, the old world, and the heavens will be destroyed and God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And this is the language uh, when he said that, wherein dwelleth righteousness, a, a new world without sin. Isn't that going to be an amazing thing? Wherein dwelleth righteousness. And that brings us to the final chapter, literally, of the book of Revelation. And we're going to look at a few things in this chapter, both this morning and tonight. Uh, and we're going to begin reading in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. And if you're able to stand, I'd invite you to stand as we read these two verses, verses 6 and 7, and then have prayer together, giving our attention to God's word today. Revelation 22 and verse 6. And he said unto me, John is writing, of course, John is speaking. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And as we will See, in a few moments, this final chapter is not about the tribulation. It's not about the judgment of sin. It's really some instruction, encouragement for God's people, which if you're saved, it would apply to all of us. Or if you ever get saved, it would apply to you. And let's pray as we get into the scripture. Father, please bless today. We thank you for your Bible, your word, the words of God that we have before us. Thank you for the revelation that you've given to us through John and as it's been recorded in the Word of God. And Father, we pray today, Lord, for the leadership of the Spirit of God in our lives as we study to learn, to grow. Lord, we want to 
as we said this past Wednesday night, mix faith with your word. And Father, the things that you instruct us to do by faith, we want to obey them. God, help us not to say that it's not for me or it's difficult or it's not my nature. Lord, we just want your word to be worked out in our life today. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, John has written about many things, things that he saw, things that he heard, things that all will come come to pass in the future. We don't know how long in the future, future days, future months, future years, we're not sure. But uh, all of that, or not all of it, the vast majority of that pertained really particularly to unsaved people because that's who the Revelation is talking about along with the coming of the Lord and the And the promise to the saints is talking about, you know, what it'll be like on this world without Christians, without God. And uh, so what remains really is these final words of instruction. And we're going to just look at a couple of these things today, this morning, and perhaps more tonight. So what do we do in the meantime? What is is God is going to say to John as he has written about and he's seen what this new heaven, new earth, new creation is going to look like. What are, we, what are we to be doing? And there are things I want to emphasize are the things that are emphasized in this passage. We read one of them in verse 6. Let's go back to that. It says, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. And in verse 7 he says, Behold, I come Quickly, And one of the things that becomes very clear, not only in this passage, but really in numerous passages, is that we are to anticipate his coming. And I want to think about that together for a few moments today. We're to, he says, I'm coming quickly. Now, just saying that and reading that, I know that many people would say, well, I mean, this can't be true. He said this almost 2,000 years ago. How can, it be, how can it be true that he's coming quickly and, that, and these things have not been fulfilled? Notice he says it often. Look in verse 10. He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. And then look near the end of that chapter. In verse 20, he, he which testifieth these things, saying, Surely I come Quickly, and we might think, well, quickly doesn't mean what we think quickly is, but really it is. Quickly means, it can mean suddenly, but it means without delay. It's readily, it's, a, it's, it's, it's about to come. We often use this term referring to the coming of Christ, the doctrine of his coming as the imminent return of Christ. And imminent is a good word. The word imminent means that it's hanging over us. It's impending. It's happening soon. It's ready to take place. And if you didn't have the Bible and you didn't have uh, the leadership or the teaching of the Spirit of God in your life, then you, you might tend to think, well, that's just not true. But it is true. How, how can you, how can a person live as though something could happen any moment and live that way for decades? Live that way for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years. Is it possible 
for a person to anticipate something and anticipate that on a regular basis? And the answer is yes, it is possible. It's not natural. It's not normal. Because let's, let's be honest. Sometimes when somebody says, I'm going to be there, and they don't show up, and the next time they're going to be there, eventually say, well, I'm not going to look for them anymore. Because they just can't be trusted. But, I, but it's not a normal, it's not a mortal that said that. It's the Lord that said that. And so we're to, we're to anticipate his coming. Scoffers have always, often and always, doubted the imminence of his return. They've doubted this very doctrine. I'm going to go to a few passages today, and I'm going to keep coming back to Revelation 22, so I, I would encourage you to mark that. But just go a little bit to the left from Revelation to 2 Peter. In 2 Peter, Peter wrote about this very subject of how people view the teaching of the imminence of Christ's coming. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, he writes, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. The reason they're this way is because it's what they want, the way they want to be. They lust for that. And this is what they say in verse 4. We're in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. And this is what they say, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. That's what they say. He's not really coming. We can't be anticipating his coming. Things have never changed. I mean, it's just year goes by, decades go by, centuries go by, millenniums go by, and he still hasn't come, and, he's, and they're scoffers. They make fun of that. They don't take it seriously. But one thing we need to keep in mind is this. God does not always look at time the same way we look at time. God is not, does not measure time like we measure time. And if you're out there in 2 Peter 3, here's a good explanation of that. Look in verse 8. It says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. See, God is eternal. You and I, some of you young people look at me, and you think, man, he sure is old. I mean, but you know what? Old compared to what? Maybe old compared to you, but believe it or not, I know people that are older than me. They're real old. <laughs> I just saw some people's jaw drop. But anyway, I'm not going to call your name. <laughs> but God is eternal. God had no beginning. Think about this. Wrap your mind around this. God had no beginning. A million years ago, millions, 10 million years ago, 100 billion years ago, 1,000 trillion years ago, God was. He has no beginning. You say, well, I can't really understand that. Well, it doesn't surprise me. I don't understand, but I know it's true. God is eternal. So to an eternal God, 
who has been around trillions and trillions and trillions of years, how long you think a thousand years is to him? It's a drop in the bucket. It's a blink of the eye. It's like a couple of days. So when God says it's, it's, it's imminent, it's, it could happen, it's going to happen right away, we're, don't look at it like our time. Look at it like God looks at it. We are to anticipate his return. And there are reasons for that. Um, I'll come back around to this later. But anyone who understands the doctrine of the imminence of Christ that he could come at any moment knows how advantageous it is to believe that. And anybody who really thinks this through and understands what we're talking about today would understand if a person, matter of fact, Jesus wrote about this. I don't think we have time to look at it. Jesus wrote about people in parables who, were, who, was, a, who was a steward Something was entrusted to them, and they're a steward over that. And they, and he says, I'm coming back later to get to check up on you, and I'll see how you did. And they say, he delays his coming, and, and they begin to just party and live lavishly. That's a very foolish way to live. And you know why some people live like that? Because they don't really think he's coming. It'd be like when I was a kid... And my mama, who was a single parent, worked. We lived in the suburbs, and I don't mean like rich, nice suburbs. We lived in some pretty run-down suburbs outside of Dallas. And she drove. She had a job in, Saint, in, in, in downtown Dallas, and she would go to Dallas every day to work. And in the summertime, her three teenage boys were home to take care of themselves and being good, responsible, ethical boys like we were. We always knew about what time she'd be home and we'd try to get things in order before she did. And you know what? It helped us knowing she was coming home. And if she came home early, we might be in a world of trouble. Jesus wants us to anticipate his coming. We're to expect his return. Now listen, we, people say this often. I say it, people say it, most, many of you have said it. The, the, the circumstances around us, the uh, current events dictate to us, make us think current conditions cause us to point to the fact that he could come, but we're not, we don't expect him to come because of current events. We expect him to come because he commands us to expect him to come. Uh, I'm, I'm still having my place marked in Revelation, but I want to go to the Gospel of Matthew for a moment, and I hope you can join us there. Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at a couple of verses here that speak again of this subject. Matthew chapter 24, and verse, I'd had it written down wrong, but I found it. Verse, let's look in verse, oh, no wonder I'm in Matthew chapter 25. Look in Matthew chapter 25 in verse 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You don't know when he's coming. So what are you to do? You're to be watching. Well, what if he doesn't come until... 
next year? What if he didn't come for 20 years? What if he doesn't even come in my lifetime? We're to be watching for him to come. And the, the chapter previous to that, Matthew 24, look in verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, Jesus is teaching this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. It would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, verse 44, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, this is not true of everybody in this room, but for some people in this room, for you to get ready for something, it takes a while. Right? My wife knows people like that, right? <laughs> to get ready for company, it takes a while. You know what Jesus said? Stay ready. Always be ready. Don't wait to get ready. Always be looking for him to come. He could come during this service. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You say, well, you've said, I've heard you say that many times before. If you hang around long enough, you'll hear me say it a lot more times. I'm looking for him. He said to look for him. This is what he tells us to do. And some people are sitting here hearing this, and you, and you know what? You know that many times, maybe every day, maybe every other day, maybe once a week, but maybe many times every day you think, you know, the Lord could come now. We, we think like that. You know what? We ought to think like that. Now, if you don't ever think like that, then my prayer for you has already been today that you would begin to make some adjustments in the way you think and start thinking the way God wants us to think. He could come today. Like I, I should live, I should have lived as a teenage boy, like mama could have walked in the door at any minute. And if I'd lived like that, I wouldn't have done some of the things I did. Right? Like the time she told us, whatever you do, don't cook anything on the stove while I'm gone. We had two things. That was, that was one. The other thing was don't ever go down to the tank, we called it. It was a pond. And go swimming. I'm, I don't want you to drown. If, if you drown, I wanted you to drown while I'm here. <laughs> so one time, I fried some frozen potatoes and forgot to turn the, fry, the stove off and went swimming. Ouch. She came home, the smoke has filled the house. I mean, it's a, it was a disaster. You know why? I thought, I'd, I thought I could fix things before she got back. Now, none of you have ever done anything like that. And, but you got an evil, corrupt, depraved pastor. <laughs> and it wasn't just Jesus that taught this. It was taught in the epistles. Paul wrote this to Titus. Think about this. Looking for that blessed hope. Looking, actually expecting, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Paul wrote about, about it when, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he talked about those who love his appearing. They're, they're, they're in, they have a, a favorable view, a desire toward his appearing. 
Um, and you, we'll go back to the book of Revelation. But look in Revelation chapter 3. Talking about anticipating his return. Revelation chapter 3. In verse 11, this is to the church at Philadelphia. He says, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago he wrote this. Jesus gave this message himself to the messenger, the pastor of the church at Philadelphia. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crowns. It's just taught throughout the scripture. James said this, The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. It's near us. He said that 2,000 years ago. And the next verse after that, James says, Behold, the judge standeth at the door. James says the judge is standing at the door. He's at the, about to come in. You say, well, these people were wrong. No, they were right. They were right. Jesus tells us, the Gospels tell us, the Revelation tells us that we're to anticipate his coming. There, this ought to be an urgency for all of us that we realize Jesus could come at any time. And there's many reasons we should anticipate it because he says it for one thing. Back into Revelation 22, though, just a couple of things I want to point out quickly. In verse 4, it says that they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. Revelation 22 and verse 4. You know, we ought to anticipate his coming because we're going to see him. I don't know what that's going to be like. I don't think any of us know what it's going to be like. Imagine actually seeing him. Seeing the nail prints in his hands and the scars. Imagine seeing him. We ought to also anticipate it because of his reward. Look in chapter 22 and verse 12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. When he comes, his reward will be with him. To give every man according as his work shall be. We've given him our lives. We've given him our time. We've given him our service. We've given him much. We've given, we've given him what we might otherwise have given to ourselves and our families and all. But, but we gave it for him because, of, because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us. And you don't always get, if you, if you do the right thing, you don't always get rewarded in this life. If you, if you give up things for Christ, you don't always get recognized in this life. But when he comes, he's bringing his reward with him. We anticipate his return because of the fact that we'll see him and he'll reward us. He's coming quickly. By the way, when he comes, and we see this in this passage, said in a very interesting way, just so we all are on the same page and understand that when he comes, it'll be too late to change. It'll be too late to repent. It'll be too late to get right and serve God. Look what it says in verse 11. The last, time, last part of verse 10 says the time is at hand, and then verse 11 says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. That's kind of a unique way of saying it, but basically what it's saying is, 
when he comes, it'll be too late to change. Whatever you are when he comes, that's what you're going to be forever. If, you've, if, you're, if you're wicked, you're going, to, you're, going to deal, you're going to endure the punishment for that for all eternity. If you've been righteous and holy, you'll be able to enjoy the fruit of that for all eternity. We are, we are to anticipate his coming. So, so John has given us this great revelation of all the things that are going to happen and, and what people are going to go through and things that will be said and things that will be done and, and, and all kinds of things that we can only imagine. Hundred pound hailstones falling from the sky. We find this stuff in the book of the Revelation, but now you come to the end and what does he say to us? He says, always be looking for him to come. And John did. Look at the last, uh, next to the last verse in Revelation 22. It says in verse 20, he which, te- he which testifies these things saith, and this is talking about Jesus, he which testifies these things saith, surely I come quickly. Amen. Notice how John replied, even so, Come, Lord Jesus. I want you to come. I'm ready for you to come. We're looking for you to come. We're anticipating you coming. I remember um, when I was a youth director many years ago that we had a young lady in our youth group who said this about the coming of the Lord. I just thought about this. It's... She said this about the coming of the Lord. Well, I don't want him to come yet because I want to get married. (laughs) Wonder who said that. You know what? People think like that. I don't really want him to come. I've got family. I'm looking forward to retirement. You know, I I don't even really come now. I'm I'm not really living like I should be. I'm telling you, we ought to all live like he could come today. Right? Right? Now, part of me wants to just park here and just stay here because I think this has so much to offer. Very simple thing. Just live, live every day like he could come at any moment. So this, this is one of, there's several admonitions here. This is one of them, but I want to cover another one. And that is, look back to verse 7, and here's another one that's mentioned numerous times in this passage. Verse 7 says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now we're going to look at more more times than just this time here in Revelation 22. But we're to look for him to come. The second thing we're to do is we're to obey him. Keep the prophecies of this book. Keep means to observe them, to do them. Uh, Look in verse verse 9. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am the fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them, notice this, which keep the sayings of this book. In verse 10 he says, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Look in verse verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments. This is not new. This is not unique. This is not novel. It's just very basic, elementary What are we to do? We're to keep looking for him. And number two, keep obeying him. 
You say, well, we all know to do that. Well, we ought to know that he says to do it. He didn't say it once or twice or three times in this chapter. He says, you, we need to keep, keep his sayings. By the way, you can't keep his sayings if you don't know his sayings. You say, well, I'm just not really into commandments. and Well, you, better, you ought to get into them. What does God say we ought to do? Because you know what he says? He says, as long as I haven't arrived yet, you keep looking for me to come and you keep doing what I told you to do. Keep looking for me to come and keep doing what I told you to do. That would have been a good advice for me to keep when mama wasn't around. <laughs> keep looking for me to come and keep, keep doing what I told you to do and don't do anything I told you not to do. Keep the commandments. Blessed are they, verse 14, that do his commandments. Do his commandments. Not just know his commandments, but do his commandments. Blessed are they that keep his commandments. You know, as I was studying, I, I noticed something about that phrase, verse 14, blessed are they that do his commandments, that it's one of the many, many passages in the Bible that the critical text, that's the text that's not from the source that we get our King James Bible from. The critical text says not keep his, doesn't say blessed are they, if you have an NIV for instance or New American Standard Version, it doesn't say blessed are they that do his commandments, it says blessed are they that wash his robes. And the truth of the matter is if you look at the context of all of this, keep his commandments is the only logical, and if you look at the Greek text, they're completely different. It's, it's, I say that for the benefit of people that sometimes wonder, why do you use the King James? I mean, the other, other versions are easier to understand. Things that are different are not the same. And the reason they're not the same is because they didn't come from the same text. They came from different texts. And here's a classic example of something you would miss entirely if you had the wrong Bible. So what are we to do? We're to keep obeying him. Look in, go back to the very first chapter of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1. And as, as this revelation begins... The revelation of Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 1. Look at the third verse. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. The time is at hand. So what are you to do? Three things there he says. Blessed are they that read it, they that hear it, and they that keep it. If you're not reading your Bible, you're missing out on a blessing. It's a blessing even to hear the Bible. But the ultimate goal of hearing it and reading it is what? Doing it. Keeping it. Obeying it. What are we to do while we wait? We're to look for him to come and we're to obey until he comes. Look in chapter, uh, back to Revelation 22, and look at verse 16 for a moment. We don't, we're not going to go verse by verse through this chapter, but look at verse 16. We're emphasizing various messages for us in this last chapter of Revelation. 
But look in verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. And you probably know the, the word there that's translated as angel is a messenger. It's angelos. It's a messenger. And it can ref- and early in the chapter, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the, the angel of the churches was their pastor, the messenger of those churches. And so here he says, I've I sent mine angel to testify unto you, probably talking about John, to testify unto you these things in the churches. These are the things that ought to be taught in the churches. They, they're, they, they're to preach and to teach his word and testify in the churches. What? The word of God. Where do we be doing while he comes? We're to, be, we're to be looking for him and we're to be obeying the word of God. That's why we come to church. So that we can, one of the reasons why we come, that we can hear the Bible taught. I, was, I sat over here this morning and I listened in First Peter about our attitude towards suffering and how we ought to rejoice. And I sat there as a person who's been saved many years and has pastored for many, many years, and I sat there just receiving that into my life and thinking in my heart, God, that's what I want to do. That's how I want to live. That's what God wants us to do. In the meantime, listen to his word, read his word, and obey his word. We're not to be idle. We're not to be careless. We're to be into the word of God. We're to be serious about the word of God. God blesses obedience to his word. God's children ought to be characterized as people who obey the word of God. So, we see two of the things here in this text that we're to do. We read through Revelation. So much of what we read in Revelation is not what we're to do. It's what others are doing. Or it's what's being done to others. But here, this is things we are to do. And there are benefits to this. And I want to to wrap this up by just emphasizing the fact that it's beneficial for you and I to anticipate his return. Number one, it helps us stay focused on eternal things. We live in this world, but we don't live for this world. We're living for a different world. We still have responsibilities, we take care of our families, we have jobs to do, we have all, but we're not living for this world. And anticipating his return, if, if you could do this, you know, if, if at least once a day or maybe three or four times a day, it would cross your mind that Jesus could come at any moment, it would help you be mindful that this is, you don't have all your eggs in this basket. We're living for another world. Paul wrote to the Colossians to set your affections on things above. Don't be, all, don't be obsessed with everything in this world. Th- live for, you say, well, preacher, you're, you're old and you're, you know, you're, you're on the downward side of life. and you, you know, you, I can see why you would be living for another world. And I'm hesitant to say this, but I'm going to say it. The reason we walked away from everything we knew when I was 23 years old and moved my family to a place we'd never been is because we weren't interested in just living for this world. I was 23 years old. Don't get it out of your head that because you're young, you don't really think about eternal things. You ought to be thinking about things that are eternal, things that will last forever. 
Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's what we ought to be living for. You say, well, I can't see that, but that's what faith does. Faith enables us to see things that are not visible. And as a matter of fact, and this may seem weird to some people, but sometimes through faith, things that can't be seen are more real than things that can be seen. They're more valuable. One of the things that works against us in our natural self is we live for what we can see and feel and touch. But I believe anticipating his coming helps us live and think about a place and a world that's more important than what we're in today. Not only does it help us stay focused, it helps us live holy lives. The Bible spells, it's not just my opinion, the Bible spells this out. I'm gonna, if you're in Revelation, go to the left a few pages to 1 John chapter 3. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude and Revelation. 1st John chapter 3. And notice what John said. The same author, the same human instrument that gives us the revelation gives us this epistle in 1st John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. What hope does he have? What, what was he talking about? He, the hope was that when he comes, we shall see him and we'll be like him. Now hear me now. And every man that has that hope in him of the anticipation of his return will be apt to purify himself even as he is pure. It helps us live holy lives. Having this hope helps us purify our lives. This past Wednesday, I think it was this past Wednesday, on Wednesdays we've been teaching about the fear of God, which I think is such a, an important characteristic, something that I certainly need in my own life and we all need. The fear of the Lord, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And I said, I think it was this past Wednesday, that there have been times in my life that I may not have done the right thing or I may refrain from doing the wrong thing, not just because I love God, not just because I'm a new cre creature, but because I fear God. It helps us. The fear of the Lord helps us. And knowing he could come at any moment helps us live holy lives. If you're in 1 John 3, turn a few more pages to, toward the left to 2 Peter 3. We were there a moment ago, but I want to read a couple more verses. 2 Peter chapter 3, in a lengthy context about the coming of the Lord. I read in verse 3 and 4 of that where scoffers say that he's not coming. But all of the verses after that are about the coming of the Lord. Verse 10, it says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It's all about the coming of the Lord. But I just want to focus in for a moment on verse 13 to emphasize this matter of the benefits of anticipating his return. Look in 2 Peter 3, 13. Nevertheless, we, 
according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Since you're looking for him to come, since you're anticipating his return, be diligent that you be found in him without spot and blameless. There are benefits associated with anticipating his return. Things could happen that none of us could predict, but if we stay the course that we're on in the world, you know, the world is... World is on a fast track collision course to meet Almighty God in great judgment. And it could get a lot worse before it gets any better. We all understand that. I'm not being a prophet of doom. I'm just saying it could happen. But you know what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to keep looking for Him to come and we're to keep obeying what He says. It'll help us live holy lives, it'll help us think on eternal things. It'll help us live obediently while we're awaiting his return. I ask you today, are you ready? Jesus said, be in a state of readiness. Are you ready today for Jesus to come? Are you expecting his return? And you would know that in your mind. You would know that. You would know if you how frequently or how seldom you think about the Lord coming. And if nothing else, I would like to think that this attention given to this passage would help us be more focused, looking for Him to come. I've always, always wanted Him to come in my lifetime. But, you know, so have many other generations. I've just wanted it. And I've always believed that's a real possibility. I really think he could come before I conclude this service. Wouldn't that be, I even feel better about it now that I've finished my sermon. <laughs> Let me ask you, are you being obedient to him? Can you think of a command right now that if you knew he might come today, if you knew he might come today, you know you'd start obeying it. Then start obeying it now. Because we're to be keeping His commandments and looking for Him to come. And if you're here today and you're not saved, you are not ready for Him to come. You're not ready. And if He were to come now, then you would miss it. And it is so foolish, it is so foolish to think, well, one of these days, one of these days I'm going to get more serious about my spiritual life. That's so, so wrong. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you ought to come to Christ today. You shouldn't let anything keep you from Telling someone, help me with this. I'll be standing here in front. You ought to come to me and say, Preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. I can't think of anything more terrifying 
than to be sitting in a church service like this when all of a sudden every believer disappears. Wouldn't you imagine, can you imagine what that would be like? You say, preacher, you're trying to scare people? I'm just trying to tell you, we ought to be ready. Be ready. He could come today. And if you're here as a Christian and you know you're not ready, you need to get ready and stay ready. Don't just get ready, stay ready. It's a good discipline for us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, okay? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Everyone, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you just be honest with yourself? You don't have to be honest with me. Just be honest with yourself. Are you ready for him to come? Would you like for him to come? Can you say with John, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come now. Come now. I'm ready for you to come. If you can't say that, I believe God, I believe based on all we looked at in the scripture, God wants us to be able to say that. Lord, come now. Now would be a great time. I'm ready for you. And if you're not ready for him, then let's get ready, starting right now. Let's get ready. Our Father, as we pray today, we thank you for this precious book and God for the passage here in the last chapter that admonish us to anticipate your coming and to be obedient, to be obedient, to keep your sayings, to hear them, read them, and do them. God, help us today. We want to do that. I know that if we'll commit to doing it, if we'll determine to do it, that you will help us do that. 